On today's show, Ben Ladner joins me for part one of a two-part discussion about the Hawks, the Eastern Conference, and much more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1415 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Monday evening, February the 20th, and today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the Lots on Podcast Network. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. And I'm joined on today's episode by my friend, my longtime podcast partner every so often, Ben Ladner is back. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm living the dream. You know, we can only do what we can do this time of year. And uh, it's the all-star break. Uh, I don't think knowing you, you were super uh, over the top about all-star weekend. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Perhaps you were, um, you know, knee deep in all-star week activities, but I know it's not my thing. And I, just knowing you a little bit, I can't imagine you were dialed in too much. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Am I? Uh, you are not. You are not. Okay. I um, <laughs> I caught some of the game last night. Uh, I watched the dunk contest highlights on YouTube yesterday morning and um, saw the clip of Dwayne Wade yelling at Janelle Monet uh, about, about getting back on offense and not playing defense while on offense. Uh, that's all I know about All-Star Weekend uh, so far. So I, 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 yes, I was preoccupied with more important things Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I I had to watch for work purposes, but watch is a very loose thing. AJ Griffin participated Friday, looked fine. He did. He was the Hawks uh, Hawks representation. Uh, I guess some of the game op stuff was Hawks as well. Uh, we're gonna avoid the talk about how honestly bad the game was on Sunday for most people that like basketball. <laughs> that was a big talking point in the last couple of days. I do want to start out. And I will do this because Ben is a friend of mine. He won't mind that I do this on the podcast at the top. There was one bit of Hawks news over the weekend, and it was the Hawks announcing on Saturday afternoon that John Collins is officially in the concussion protocol. That was not a huge surprise. He actually left the game on Wednesday with uh, what the Hawks were calling a head evaluation. And uh, McMillan said post-game that that was at least one of the options was to put him in concussion protocol. So no surprise there. Uh, they're going to monitor him. And I, I got several questions about this. Like, okay, can you play on Friday? We, we won't know that until Thursday at the earliest, I would imagine. Uh, just so everybody knows, concussion protocol, there are there obviously are some steps you have to clear out of, but um, one of the big things is that there isn't a definitive timeline for concussion protocol. So we'll see if Collins plays Friday. That's all I know for now. And uh, unless you want to add to that, Ben, we can move on to the topic of this podcast. Um, well, just and especially during all or the All-Star break, like there's no yeah. reason to give an update before the break is over. And so they, they actually waited uh, two days to even announce it. Like they, uh, he was re-examined on Thursday, and they announced it on Saturday afternoon. So yeah. it's people are not working. Uh, it's a break for everybody. It's one of the uh, if you are a Hawks fan, one of the quote unquote benefits of not a whole lot of representation in the game this year is that everybody got to go away and go on vacation. Oh, AJ Griffin, I think uh, a one PR person and a couple of social media folks went to, went to Salt Lake, but uh, Trey Young got to rest as did the coaching staff, as did the front office, probably unless they're in uh, draft mode, which they probably are on some level. Um, but anyway, lots of breaks, and uh, the Hawks won't even practice till I would I would imagine at least Wednesday. They have not announced that just yet, but um, I would guess at least another day or two as you and I record this of off time. 
but you know, it is the all-star break. It's a good time to kind of get into what the Hawks have been. I talked about the Hawks a lot, obviously, if you're a new listener to the podcast, you will uh, maybe catch up on my thoughts previously, but as a taking stock moment, uh, the Hawks are 29 and 30 right now. And I think that the simple thing would be to say that no one is thrilled with that after their off season, after sort of the pressure from the top down to get better and make splashes and they get DeJounte Murray and all of that. But I'm going to ask you, Ben, broadly, and we'll sort of go from there because you're not on the beat every day of the Hawks. Uh, Where are you at with the Hawks right now, given that I think everyone agrees that they are not up to expectations this year, but how far are they below where you think they should be at this point in time, given injuries and all that stuff? Not super far. I think I may have said this last time I came on, and if I am, if I'm repeating myself, um, you know, listeners, forgive me, but it's a podcast. Yeah. Um, they're record wise, they're maybe a little below where I expected them to be. I thought they'd be, you know, closer to like a 52, 55 winning percentage type of thing instead of basically 500, which is where they are now and 29 and 30. Um, about that, that's, I would say that's pretty representative, um, at least in terms of what I've seen on the Hawks and you, you'd know better than I would, um, given that I don't cover them every day anymore, but that, that seems pretty much in line with my perception of them this season, 29 and 30, pretty mediocre, probably a little more bad than they are good, but not decidedly bad or good coming into the season. I expected them to be better record wise, but then you look at the East standings and they're not too far off from the range that we discussed them in coming into the season. They're right behind Miami, New York, um, kind of in that, like, you know, Toronto, um, Chicago, Washington type of range. I I think, I guess I expected them to be better than those teams and maybe closer to the Miami, New York type of echelon. I frankly expected New York to be a lot worse. Um, Brooklyn, you know, you could throw them in. That was for volatility reasons. And now that's not even the same team in Brooklyn anymore. So I I think standings wise, they're the seven seed right now, if I'm remembering correctly. That's, That's about what I projected them to be coming into the season, even if the records look a little bit different because of you know just kind of the way the season is shaken out and everyone seems really kind of stacked on top of each other and really close in the standings particularly in the west but even in the east as well um so the hawks are you know maybe underperforming just a little bit but i think based on the like it's it's this weird thing where i think defensively they've been maybe better than expected offensively they've been worse so they're not they're not good or bad in the ways you might have expected them to be good or bad coming into the year but the aggregate result is about the same and that's about a 500 team yeah and it's interesting because you know for one the last two years the hawks have made second half runs so it felt like everyone is just waiting for that to happen as if it was a given and it still could happen but it hasn't and they're later on in this season than they were in the previous two years without ever really getting going i was taking notes for something else actually and realized this uh, earlier this weekend the hawks only have two winning streaks all season long. I don't count back-to-back wins as a streak. I think it has to be three for me to be a winning streak. They only have two all season long. One of them was a three-game winning streak to start in November. That's a long time ago. And then they won five games in a row in the middle of January. And that's it. Every other every other aspect has been, you know, win, win here, loss here, win two, lose two, lose three, win two. And it's like they've never been able to find a stride. There was, again, the one the one positive run where they didn't, they didn't lose for about a week and a half. But there was some schedule stuff in there. They did play well in that stretch. But even like something as broad as like cleaning the glass and their net rating versus you know performance, you would think because the Hawks have been so bad in the clutch this year and they have really bad clutch numbers that they would actually be underperforming. But cleaning the glass actually has the Hawks as underperforming. 
I mean, sorry, overperforming their uh, their their net rating. Their their net rating is actually worse than their record is at this moment, which is a little bit weird when you because I, I had it in my brain, as I'm sure a lot of Hawks fans did, without just like really diving into it. Oh, okay, well the Hawks have had some pretty famous bad moments in clutch situations and, and blown leads and things. And you would think that that would be all right. Well, they were better than this on paper. Well, if you go by like the, the probably the number one sort of on paper metric is just like, what's your point differential beyond your record. The Hawks actually are, they're in the negative there too. So it's not like you have that to even bank on at this point in time either. And I, I still do think um, gun to my head or how you want to say that, that the Hawks are better than they have been so far, even without changing a thing. But they're not as good as I thought they were going to be this season. I mean, that's, that's probably clear at this point. Maybe they have a run in them. I'm not going to close the door on that. We've seen it too many times. But I had them in like, in like the high 40s win totals, and they'd have to finish. I think it was like 20 and 3 to get to my preseason win total. So I think that's not going to happen, Ben. I have to, I have to say 20 and 3 does not seem terribly plausible to me at this moment. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to uh, to pull that off. But no, I mean, it, it's – it is this weird thing where you, you do kind of look at the roster, like relative to where they are in the standings. They're eighth right now. I was mistaken earlier. They're eighth in, in the East, just ahead of Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Indiana. Those teams are all within three wins of one another. Um, I think they're better than all those teams on yeah. paper. I still think they're a good team on paper, but that's that's always been the thing with the Hawks is they're they've kind of all, except for the year they made the conference finals when they were, <laughs> I think, better on the courts than they were in paper. Uh, the last couple of years, they've been better on paper than on the court, and I don't, I don't know what the reason is that things aren't um, tying together. I think you could point to the coaching staff. Some people would. Uh, you could point to some of the fit issues, the new additions they've they've brought in, mainly Dejounte Murray, but also AJ Griffin being a rookie in the rotation, trying to work him in. Um, Sadiq Bay, who we haven't really even seen yet in a in a real role with the Hawks, um, and then also just kind of the natural difficulties of building around a star like Trey Young. Um, there are always going to be just, I think, fit questions, continuity, um, maybe concerns is too strong of a word, but just kind of always, you know, nuances and, and kind of contextual factors that are kind of going to prevent this team um, from being exactly what it looks like on paper. I think we've seen that the last couple of years. That being said, they do still have the talent to make you believe like, okay, they could separate themselves. You know, I think at this point, they're, they're pretty much bound for the play in. Um, but but maybe they could distinguish themselves among that group of Chicago, Washington, um, all those Toronto, those teams I just named and, and create some separation here because they have, you know, one of, I would say, the seven or eight best offensive players in the league this season. Maybe you could stretch that out to 10, depending on how you feel about how Trey Young's been this season. Um, they have a, a dynamic backcourt partner for him in DeJounte Murray. When healthy, you can see things kind of clicking the right way for this team. But, but you can say that about a lot of teams in the NBA, and you've been able to say that about the Hawks for a little while, and it hasn't, it hasn't quite clicked. So um, I, I don't, it, it's, it's hard, you know, it's looking at this team, you mentioned the statistical profile, and they're outperforming their point differential. But, uh, you know, we were texting about this earlier today and, and talking about it a few days ago, a couple weeks ago, whenever that was, um, about how this team, like, kind of is what it is in terms of just being a pretty mediocre middle of the pack team. And it, it kind of feels like, you know, as I was going through and doing the research and, and looking in, you know, kind of trying to get under the hood of this team a little bit, it kind of seems like no matter how you slice it, this, this team is, is set up for a pretty middling result this season. And that may not, you know, it's, it's, that's not as exciting as saying like, well, you know, if, if X, Y, and Z happen, they could be set up for a playoff run and things like that. 
but I don't really see that happening. I also don't see them bottoming out. I don't see them falling too far in the standings, but I just think any way you slice it, this, this comes out as a pretty, um, pretty middle of the pack basketball team. Nissan's most electric player of the week award is brought to you by the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It was a kind of slow week for the Hawks, of course, with a lack of games in the last few days, but the player of the week is AJ Griffin, who had a nice trip to Salt Lake city as the Hawks representative on the floor at all-star weekend. He was um, a big part of the social media push from the Hawks and everybody. And I mean, everybody loves AJ Griffin at this point in time. The Nissan Aria is brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, slowly powerful, and they bring an impressive combination of traits to the table. Griffin is also in that vein as well. He is very versatile already, already has the power to go along with the smoothness and the craft that is well beyond his years. The Nissan Aria packs power that will pin you to your seat and it also has premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. I want to ask you a question that I actually got asked today on the radio out of nowhere. It was actually kind of funny. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't surprised that I was asked the question, but it was the first question I was asked that I had. It wasn't like, there was no ramp up or anything. You'll, you'll understand why it's funny in a second. I was right out of the gate asked. Who was, who, real quick, who was the uh, the radio host? It, it was 92.9 The Game with uh, Chris Goforth was sitting in. It's a holiday. Chris okay. is one of the guys who always has me on. Great guy. It was fun. But I just wasn't, I was, I was prepared, but I wasn't ready for that question right then. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's not even a difficult one, but it's a sort of a good window into like where the Hawks are right now, honestly. And the question was, what's more likely for the Hawks, finishing sixth or missing the play entirely? And I was like, I said missing the play entirely, which is, that doesn't mean that it's likely to happen because I don't think it's going to happen. But if you look at the standings, they are currently closer to 11 than they are to six. It's only by a half game, but do you agree with me? Am I crazy here? I don't think you're crazy. I I might say they're more likely to finish sixth, but that has more to do with my lack of belief in the Knicks and the Nets. I actually kind of like the Nets. I like. Yeah, the Nets are an interesting thing in general because I feel like everyone's just written them off, which is yeah. fine. Which is fine, but they they do have good players still and also I agree crucially they have a five and a half game lead on the Hawks with 23 remaining so even if you think the Hawks are better than the Nets which I probably probably do at this very moment if the season started today five and a half games and 23 games is yeah. that's a giant gulf like you have to be so much better than the other team to pass them in that small sample size so I'm kind of still operating like the Nets are not going to be a team they pass it feels like to me they'd have to pass Miami and New York which is not impossible by any means because I'm not a big Miami guy never have been the Knicks are eh, kind of okay. So it's plausible, but like I had to answer around the spot and I'm thinking if you do the math, the numbers definitely say miss the plan. I think you have to believe in the Hawks more than the number, which I think I'd probably do. But the fact that that's even close, yeah. is kind of alarming because that's obviously their goal. And that's what they've even said. They've said it. I think, I think Trey's even said it like their goal now realistically is to just finish sixth. And that would yeah. be, that's a great goal to have, but like, that's not even clearly more likely than staying in the play in, which is wild. Yeah, now that I now that you talk through it and I think about it, I think I would agree with that. I, I just I, I had for I guess I'd forgotten how few games were left in the season and it's not second half second half the giant quotation. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just the all star break always twenty three twenty three games are running out of eighty two and, and yeah. people call it the second half. It's like well, your sense of time gets kind of less, it's off. less than a, it's less than a third of the season remaining. So I actually do kind of believe in Miami. I'm I'm still kind of waiting for Miami to get it together. I kind of like what I all? see <laughs> when I watch Miami and it's just like it's not translating. Um, Brooklyn, like you said, I, I think Brooklyn is good. I, obviously, they're not as good. They're not going to win the championship, you know, the way they might have if they'd kept everything together. I think that upside is gone. But 
from a night to night basis, just in terms of being a good, solid basketball team, I, I think they're better than the Hawks. I mean, I just think that they, they have more continuity. It's strange to say that they have more continuity because they just traded a bunch for a bunch of guys and they have so many new faces, but it does kind of feel like those pieces fit together a little bit more well, intuitively than the, than the ones on the Hawks do. And so I, I almost, despite the fact that they have so little experience playing with one another, I kind of trust them a little bit more to hold things together down the stretch than I do with the Hawks. Yeah, we're going to do some some East talk in a second, but while we're here, like the thing with Brooklyn is yeah, that they've they've upheaved the roster, like it's a lot of difference, but if, if you look at the depth, they have 11, 12 yeah. NBA like they have real 11, 12 real guys. They still have good they still have, you know, good starters too, like you know, Mikael Bridges is very very good. Dimwee is a good player. Cam Johnson's a good player. DFS is a good player. Nick Claxton is very good. Like those guys are all real before you even get to the next tier down of like, you know, Joe Harris is still a real guy and Royce O'Neal and Royce O'Neal. He started in every game for them before that trade. Yeah. Whatever, whatever Ben Simmons is at this point, whatever. But like even Cam Thomas, who I've never been the biggest Cam Thomas guy, but like he has a role. He can do one particular thing. And again, like what, what they kind of remind me of, honestly, is a better version of what Utah was in the first two months of the season of a team that's like, I get why everyone's ignoring them, but if you look at the roster, they still have a bunch of good players on the, on the team and like having a bunch of good players goes a long way. And Mikhail Bridges is better than anybody Utah had at that point. So like, that's just, it's just one guy, but like, that's a rabbit hole, but like, don't cross the, don't cross the nets off. I would say for, for this yeah. season anyway, like I would bet on the nets to make the playoffs still. Me too. Oh, easily. Yeah. If, if our friends at FanDuel are listening, I'm sure that's available um, uh, on, on the podcast on number to be bet. I would recommend that if you want to uh, go look for it. So. I think the Nets are kind of what the Raptors thought they would be or what the Raptors wanted to be, or maybe just what I thought the Raptors would be. I, I don't know, <laughs> but they're, they're sort of like a more refined, more skilled version of the Raptors, maybe more disciplined and more structured as well. I've been really disappointed with Toronto. That's a different thing. Um, but, but yeah, the net, just in terms of gathering all of these wings, these like-sized guys, uh, and just being able to wear you down with defensive versatility, I think their scheme and and their system is a little bit better than Toronto, maybe significantly better than Toronto's. And they're they're getting the most out of those like sized wing guys in the way that I thought Toronto would before they had you know kind of the face plant of a season they've had. Yeah, that's been a a basketball nerd nightmare up in Toronto. I don't know what's going on with the Raptors. Um, before we move off the Hawks, I do want to ask you what your thought was on what they did or didn't do at the deadline. You know, again, more of an outsider perspective than I have at this stage, but like just to recap for everybody, they, they traded seven second round picks in about three hours and acquired some improved depth and some valuable contracts. That's something that I think has been underplayed. Like Sadiq Bay is on a good contract as is Garrison Matthews. That's, that's part of the calculus here, but they did, they did that. And they also, I think probably more um, high profile was that they didn't trade Collins and they didn't trade bogey and they didn't trade Capella or anybody else. They just kind of stood pat and added a little bit on the margins. What did you make of that? Because, you know, a lot of attention's paid to like teams, like they were probably more rumored, like let's just say like Toronto buying got a lot more attention than what the Hawks did, which was, was so weird that Toronto just ended up buying and not selling at all. Whereas the Hawks just kind of like, it wasn't like a dud. They just didn't make a huge splash. And I think that, that was controversial in some circles, like because they could have obviously done one way or the other, and they kind of bought a little bit, but not necessarily really with huge impact for right now, anyway. Yeah, I I actually sort of applaud them for their lack of activity here. I, I you know, being a middling team, it's just kind of like unless they wanted to cobble together whatever they could put together for Durant, which I, I have no idea how much traction there was there or not. 
But unless they decided to make an all-in move like that, I don't know what move was out there that they could have done that would have gotten them you know, to a place where it would have been worth it to give up as much as they would have had to give up to make that move, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I think, just to your point, I, I think buying in a big way would have felt kind of silly unless it was someone like Durant, which yeah. obviously I would imagine they probably called, but this time around it felt like it was almost a one-team negotiation from mm-hmm. the reporting. Like it was pretty much KD wants to go to Phoenix, and if they can't get him there, they're going to they're gonna keep him. Yeah. And look, if the Hawks would have gotten Kevin Durant, it would have been – I don't even know what the trade would have been. It would have been a lot of players going the other way. But and uh, maybe if you want to, I actually got somebody that asked me this. I almost asked for in the mailbag. Somebody asked me like, why wouldn't the Hawks offer Trey for Kevin Durant? And I was like, well, they're not going to do that. Um, whether they should or not is a different discussion I just altogether. Had that same thought. Yeah. Uh, but it's beyond that though. Like realistically, it would it would have been like every single guy. It would have been you know Collins and Griffin and Jalen and Kongwu and like every pick they have left and all that. So who knows? But so I'm, I'm, I honestly, I never even heard one thing about the Hawks, like really buying, like really buying yeah. at the deadline. Not one thing. It was all like selling kind of with Collins and bogey, but there was never like a real push move that they would have done. I, I wonder if that would have been different if they were the four seed right now versus the right. eight seed, but they're not, they're the eight seed. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where it's like, you give up so much that now there's nothing for Durant to play with, which I actually kind of think is what Phoenix did, but that's, Kind of. <laughs> at least, they, um, at least they still have. Uh, at least they still. No matter what you think about DeAndre Ayton, they still have. They still have a couple of guys. Yeah, they, they kept the top of their roster intact. I'm just not so sure the middle is solid enough. That's a different story. The it the is. one with the Hawks that surprised me a little bit, and you alluded to it, alluded to it as well, um, was John Collins. And you know, perennially, I, I guess I'm sort of not surprised that they didn't trade him because <laughs> this is now year like 17 of them not trading him. So, you know, in that sense, I'm not surprised, but, you know, in the sense of just that he was always rumored to be on the move and it did kind of feel like there was there was a possibility there with Indiana and that was a clear team because for a while it was kind of like, okay, well, what's the team that really makes sense for John Collins? I mean, what what team is really excited about making the trade for John Collins this year? It felt like there was that team uh, potentially in Indiana and maybe a couple others across the league. Um, And it, it felt too like. You know, that just doing this so many years in the row from a, from the Hawks' perspective, it it would have made sense to get out from under him. I still think John Collins is really good. I think the Hawks should keep him, or at least if 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 their goal is what they've professed their goal to be, I think he helps them um, achieve that goal of of being of trying to be good. You know, to whatever yeah. extent they're going to be good, we'll see. But if if their goal is to try to be good, I think he helps them do that because he's just a good basketball player. Um, and I, I don't know what they would have gotten in return for John Collins that would have not made them worse on the court because yeah, he just helps them a lot on the court. So that was the one, I guess that, you know, everyone is always expecting John Collins to get traded. We'll probably have the same discussions um, around the draft around free agency when the off season gets here. But other than that, I was, I was not really expecting them to be huge players at the deadline. And I wasn't super surprised when they, when they didn't do much of anything. I like the Bay edition, especially at that price. It seems like second rounders just aren't worth anything. Um, at this point, if they are worth something, then there are a few hand, the handful of teams around the league. They're going to be really happy uh, if and when those second round picks uh, blow up at some point. But it, it seems like, you know, it, 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 the sense, you know, the, the joke I made on on my podcast with John was like, it kind of felt like during these negotiations, teams were asking for like three and four second round picks and the teams giving up the picks were like, you want five, six here, take them. Like just have our second round picks. We don't want them. That that's kind of what it seemed like with all these teams giving up five second round picks for, for role players. So I don't mind that for the Hawks. I think Bay can help them. 
if DeAndre Hunter doesn't pan out for whatever reason, maybe you have a little bit of insurance uh, for him and, and maybe Bay is now in, in position to be your starting three long-term. If Hunter is not that guy, maybe they end up playing together. You give yourselves uh, a little bit more flexibility and versatility if John Collins eventually gets traded. So at that price, um, I thought that was a pretty good addition. We'll see how good Sadiq Bay actually is now that he's on a team that isn't trying to lose. Uh, but, you know, for, for for seven second round picks or whatever it was they gave up, um, I think that's a perfectly fine addition. Well, they better hope that DeAndre Hunter does not fail to pan, uh, pan out because they paid him a lot of money and it hasn't even started yet. So um, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure Hawks fans are throwing up in their mouths at, at the thought of Sadiq Bay taking over with the three. I, I think the, the big Sadiq Bay fans, uh, at least that I've heard from Hawks fans, are thinking maybe he is a starting four long term. I don't think that's even going to happen either. Um, and I think your key point there is the one that I've been making is like just how good is Sadiq Bay? Because I don't think we know that. I think we know he's an NBA yeah. player. I think we know he can shoot. I think we know he has some skills, but uh, defensively is a giant question. And like even positionally, like I don't really care that much about positions, generally speaking, but like he's not a good rebounder right now. He's not a good defender right now. He's just an okay shooter. I think he'll be better like when he's taking better shots, but that's, there are always guys like that, that like, maybe you think about it, it's, it's more shot selection, but sometimes just have their shot selection that they're going to have. It's not going to necessarily change. So we'll see. I do like, I do kind of like it as far as like the ideal version of Sadiq Bay buying into a smaller role because that was kind of the buzz out of Detroit that I was hearing. And even some of it got reported is that he wanted a, he wanted a bigger role in Detroit. And it's like, well, that's, that's not a great sign. Cause I don't think he's going to have a bigger role in Atlanta, at least not right now. So I'm with you. I think he helps them quite a bit. I mean, we'll, we'll save the Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando talk for later on. Those guys are helpful in a depth capacity. And look, the way that I put it after the deadline, I still feel now like we've only seen Sadiq play play twice. I think with the Hawks at this point, and I, I wouldn't take really much of that of anything from those games. I think once he actually gets a chance to practice this week, you, you can start making some uh, actual observations because uh, you know throwing the throwing a guy in with literally no practice and having him start a game, which the Hawks did last week, was uh, one of the funnier things that, I, that I've seen in quite some time. I was he just had no idea. If you watch the tape, he had absolutely no idea where to go. It was quite funny actually. Yeah, which is understandable. It's, it's oh, it's not, not his fault at all. It yeah, was, yeah. It was not like, a, not an awareness thing from Sadiq Bay. No, although there are just, maybe questions about his defensive awareness, but there are. But yeah. it was it was just stark, like because you know I, I have a good idea of what the Hawks are was trying to do most of the time defensively after watching them all this time, and you would just see a guy going. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's Sadiq. He hasn't practiced. That, that makes sense. Yeah, um, doesn't, doesn't know the coverage. No, he does not. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, and if you're looking for a delicious treat this year, you don't want all of the calories and fat that go along with it. However, you need to try a Built Bar today. I know one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier, and really, if you're anything like me, having that taste to go along with eating healthy is a big part of the equation. If that sounds anything like you, Built Bar is your best option. Built is healthy and tasty, and they're so delicious that you won't believe that you're actually good for you as well. Built Bar is 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate on the outside, and there's a ton of awesome flavors. Cookies and cream is my personal favorite to go along with peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and many more. It tastes like a candy bar with 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar to go along with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you have to wait to get a box. In fact, there's no wait at all at this point. For a long time, I've been telling you to build to go to built.com for all of your built bar needs, and that's still an awesome option for you. Built.com has everything you're looking for with regard to built bars. But if you don't want to wait, also go to Sam's Club or Walmart in your local area right now. That is right. Walk into a Walmart immediately and grab a box of built bars right now. Or if you're closer to a Sam's Club by any chance, get a 13 bar box in a hurry at Sam's. Make sure to check out Built Bar no matter where you get it. Dive into Built Bar today. Before we move on from the Hawks, I, I do want to just kind of put a bow on it a little bit and ask you like, you know, 
are they just going to stay as the eight seed? Is that like the most common thing? Because that's a question I'm getting a lot. I answered it the other day on my mailbag, on my mailbag, and I kind of just punted to say, look, the most likely scenario is still the eight seed. Um, we'll get into the teams behind them and in front of them in a moment um, on this podcast. But like, I think you said it earlier, even. But I mean, kind of just stay at the eight spot is the most likely scenario for the Hawks in your mind, or is that uh, is that too pessimistic or optimistic? No, I, I think that's right on. I mean, as as you look at the standings, I think. The Knicks, I'm starting to come around on a little bit more, starting to buy them a little bit more as a real playoff team. Um, the Nets, we talked about. Miami, I mentioned. I'm I'm higher on them than I am on Atlanta. I, I just think, like, I just still think the Heat are good. I don't think they're a championship contender, but I think they're good. And then I think all the teams below the Hawks are worse than the Hawks. So in, in a way, the Hawks are kind of their own tier uh, that serves as kind of a line of demarcation. between They, they are almost the, the bar in the Eastern conference where it's like, are you, are you better or worse than the Hawks? That's like the standard to set. And if you're better, it's like, okay, yeah, you have a chance to make the playoffs and maybe win um, a round if you can get high enough. And if you're not, it's like, you're probably losing in the play in and not making the playoffs. They're, they're right. They are the borderline essentially. Well, you know, I, I had a tweet kind of go viral a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was about essentially how flat the Hawks profile is. And it still looks like that now. It's not quite as symmetrical as it was a couple of weeks ago when I yeah. when I sent that tweet. But like, without going all the way down the rabbit hole, they are essentially the most 500 profile imaginable. Yeah. Like they are just right in the middle, and that includes the East. You know, being the eighth team in the East is the dead middle. There's yeah. seven above you and seven below you, and it feels like obviously I think Tony Wrestler is probably clawing his eyes out because there's this is not where he wants to be. Even right. from all my frustrations about Tony Wrestler, I think I was pretty early to like. Maybe this isn't the best basketball scenario. Even I, I think he wants to win. I think these guys do want to win. And like after all this stuff this summer, to be what we both just kind of described as the most mid team in the Eastern Conference is not where they wanted to be. But it, it's also true. I mean, because look, I, I can't make the argument right now. Like even if I thought they were better than the Knicks or the Nets or the Heat, the simple math of being three or three and a half or yeah. five and a half games behind, it, I, you can't project it's impossible sure you can't project them to be five games better than these teams over 23 that's not is again it's possible they could go 17 and uh six the rest of the way i wouldn't like fall out of my chair if the hawks did that but they kind of have to do that to get to yeah. the six seed like that that's a it's a tough ask it, it, it just is math wise yeah and, and you know look again looking at the standings i think all the teams above the hawks and the standings are above average teams i think all the ones below them are below average teams so it kind of stands to reason when you mentioned the statistical profile that the Hawks are average. I mean, I think they are, I think they're just average and like they're the measuring stick. And if you're better than them, you're above average. And if you're worse than them, you're below average. Yeah. And the last thing here, as I pulled this earlier and I forgot to say it uh, at the top of the podcast, the Hawks also, this is just winning percentage, but um, this is according, according to Tankathon's odds. They have the second most difficult schedule remaining in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. as well, which is not a huge thing. Like their opponent win, win percentage is 52% or so. A lot of teams are like in the 50, 51 range. So like it's not a huge gap, but they it's like it's not like they have a cakewalk down the stretch. They have easy games like everybody else does, but um, they got they got to play Boston twice. They got to play Cleveland twice. They got to play Brooklyn twice, Miami twice, Memphis, Philly. Like they have some easy games, but they're going to have to beat some teams that they haven't beaten so far this year. And one thing I will say, if you are uh, worried about the Hawks, the four games against Washington, they play four games against Washington. They have not played them yet. They're in the division. They play them four more times. If they don't, if they don't, if they go out and like go one and three against Washington, 
alarm bells. I'll just say that. Or 0 4, God, God forbid. But what they should do is go out and go 3 1 against Washington, just take care of business. And that, that helps you along the way. But I, I kind of forgot that. And I saw that on, on Take a Thoughts list. And I was like, wait, they haven't played the Wizards yet this season. They played them four times. Four of the last 23. Who scheduled this? I don't understand. What are we doing, NBA? That is pretty wild. That is a classic yeah. matchup, though. Hawks, Wizards. Division division foe, former D- playoff series rivals. foe yeah. at one point. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think twice they played in the playoffs. In yeah. The, uh, yeah. So, anyway, long story short, it won't be easy either on paper. Like teams like, Cle- like Cleveland have a much better. Obviously, it doesn't really matter at this point. Cleveland does. But I guess on the bright side, the teams they're competing against, if you want to go down this road, would be, you know, Toronto, Brooklyn, New York, Miami, um, and maybe Washington. And they're all kind of right behind the Hawks in schedule stuff. So maybe not a huge gap, but notable nonetheless. All right, Ben. Uh, I won't make you do a prediction on win total, but it seems like the eight seed is the most likely scenario. And I would agree, I would agree with that after all of this. Yeah. I mean, if I got to predict win total, I'll say 41 wins. I mean, that seems like the, the bullseye, right? I mean, that means they'd be better than they've been so far. They would be uh, they'd be 12 and 11 down the stretch to get to yeah. 41. I, uh, I'll go out on a limb. I'll say they can go 12 and 11 down the stretch. And I, I think I'd still, I think I'd still go like, I'd still probably go like 43. Ooh. Um, Cause I, I just, I don't know. I, I still, I can't figure out why, like all the numbers tell you what this team has been even 538. So their Raptor model, which I know, you know, is like player based more than most of these systems are. So they, they, t- they tend to like the teams that have better rosters versus like results. Yeah. And they've been higher on the Hawks all year long, which makes sense. What, what we talked about earlier. Right. And even then 538 now they're down to 41 and 41 is their projection with the Hawks. Like it's like almost like they've wa- they've waved the white flag at this point too. They yeah. were like sort of the, one of the last holdouts, but so maybe I'll say 42 to be safe. I will still go above 500, even though I probably should at this stage. That's the number you gave that. That's a good way of kind of illustrating the point I was trying to get at earlier of just feeling like the talent is better than the record, but also for whatever reason, I'm not surprised that the record is what it is, you know? Yeah. That all makes sense to me. All right. That will do it for part one with myself and Ben Ladner, but please stay tuned for part two. It should be available in your feed, wherever you get your podcasts right now, as I am talking to you, please subscribe to the podcast, check out Ben's work, uh, find us on YouTube at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at VT Roland. Again, one more time. Part two should be available for you right now. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you over there at part two.